0: Welcome to Kahalui Baptist Church. The title of the sermon today is God is Light. God is Light. Before I jump into the sermon, a few matters to uh, speak about. Uh, First, I would like to introduce uh, or rather present to you some of our newest members Uh, candidates for membership at Kahalui Baptist Church. Uh, I'm going to ask them to stand only briefly. I won't make them stand very long. Uh, Todd and Shannon Vanderhoove. Would you please stand up right here? There we go. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, you may sit. Uh, So that's Todd and Shannon. I've been getting to talk to them. They are from Michigan, and they've been coming for several months, Uh, in joining us in worship. They are a really awesome couple. They're going to be transferring their membership from a church in um, Michigan, uh, transferring it. And so we have gone through the new member orientation. I have had a wonderful time getting to know them. You also, hopefully, have had a wonderful time getting to know them and will continue to have a wonderful time getting to know them. Uh, But I would like to present them before you for covenant membership at Kahalui Baptist Church. So, those who are <laughs> already there. Uh, those who are members here, let it be known by an "I. I. And are any opposed? All right. You are in. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, so get to know them, uh, love on them. you know, maybe score a few lunches and dinners, free ones, getting to know them. and a uh, really, really wonderful couple. I also would like to thank Waehu. Uh, community Church guys, Pastor Jay, Pastor Rocky, and Kailua Baptist Church. Uh, this is Rocky's sending church. So uh, Travis and Eric, and there was more of you here last night, but the rest left. Is that correct? All right. So uh, and your families. So welcome from Kailua Baptist. Thank you. They pray for us. Pastor Todd Morikawa. Yeah, give him a hand. Pastor Todd Morikawa over there is one of the ones who came over here for our What is a Healthy Church conference, uh, I believe it two years ago, a year ago, uh, he was one of those speakers there. So we have been greatly blessed by their ministry, uh, and of course, they sent Pastor Rocky, one of their best, or I don't know, is he one of their best? We have to talk to these guys right now. Um, so thank you guys. welcome. Welcome. First John five, one five through ten. First John one five through ten. The offense of impersonating a police officer or any public official, for that matter, carries with it a felonious penalty. It's such a serious offense that to do so will warrant you an automatic uh, felony just for pretending to do so. Uh, perhaps the most famous account of impersonation in the Bible. What do you think it is? Famous account of impersonation in the Bible: Jacob and Esau, Jacob and Esau, Jacob impersonating his older twin brother Esau and stealing the blessing. And in all cases, we find that there is massive destruction that follows when impersonation occurs. It just uh, wreaks havoc. In the life and in the life of Jacob and Esau, it was no different. It was very the, likely the last time that his mother Rachel ever saw Jacob as he had to flee Esau because Esau comforted the death himself at the death of his father with thoughts of murdering Jacob, his brother. And so there's just massive, massive repercussions for this impersonation. What does this have to do with 1 John, with our sermon series on 1 John? The same was true for his audience. False teachers had crept in and were were spreading false teaching about Jesus, confusing many. False teachers had taught incorrect details about who Jesus is, his identity, the nature of the Father and the Son. And as such, they were wreaking havoc and confusing many in the church. And so John the Apostle, we call him the Apostle of what? his nickname, the apostle of, of love, right? His gospel is just full of love, for God so loved the world, right? So he is the apostle of love. In 1 John 1, we get, we get the, uh, sorry, not First John 1, but in the letter of 1 John, we get his famous statement that God is love, and so he's been known as the apostle of love, and John is writing this apostle to the Christians to reassure them of the genuineness of their faith to know how to identify others ultimately with the aim that they themselves would have authentic fellowship with God that's what we covered in the first four verses there this little book that we have that we're just starting into over the summer take you about 16 minutes to read from start to finish. It's a small book. You could do it throughout your week or a day. You could easily read it every day this month. I challenge you to do so. If not every day, then at least once a week would be quite easy. Read it, and you will find as you read it, the truths of God's Word get deep, deep into your soul. The very simple idea this morning with profound implications, very simple idea from these six verses Here it is. God is light. God is light. And those who follow him must walk in it. Simple. Quite simple. God is light. And those who walk or who follow him must walk in it. Let's pray. Father, You are a God who describes himself as a God of light. You are light. In you there is no darkness at all. And in us there is great darkness. Your word says the thoughts and intentions of our heart after the flood and since the fall have been only evil continually. That is us. There is great darkness in us, but there is pure light in you. Would you amaze us with your grace this morning towards us? Would we leave here proclaiming amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound? And would you save many in here and cause many of us to rejoice as we leave this morning? May you cause through the preaching of your word that Christ, the word of life, would be manifested and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have three points this morning, three points. They are quite simple. Number one, God is light. Three points. Number one, God is light. Now, you might wonder, why does Pastor Randy always do like three points? Like, what's what's the deal with that? Why is it like always three points or two points? I mean, aren't there more points to this passage? Yes, actually, there are. This is actually, there's two indicative statements here, followed by five third-class conditional clauses from verses 6 to 10, and and we can break all that down in points if you want it to be a lot harder for you to remember. And whenever you hit Monday morning or Tuesday morning and you're struggling and whatever sin it is, you're not going to care about the third-class conditional clauses, all right? Here's what you're going to need to know. God is light, and in Him is no darkness. So, why three points to help you remember and call God's Word to mind very quickly and easily? All of those things will be subsumed under these simple points. So hopefully for your edification, that is why. Number one, God is light. God is light. What is this saying? This is saying, at the very least, if we were to compare it with verse 6, that those who don't walk in the light are liars and do not practice the truth. So at the very least, we can say, for God to be light is for God to be true in all he does. He isn't lying. He's not deceitful. He's not, uh, you, you, he, I've got here, but you get something else when you get near to him, and you find that it's not as it seemed at first. That's not God. God is light. He is true. What you see is what you get. You also find that God is pure. He is holy. There is no spot of unrighteousness. There's no shadow or, or something to be repulsive in him, none of that. He is absolutely pure. God is light. This is the nature of our God. John, the apostle, has much to say about light. His gospel opens in the prologue, John chapter 1. There's this theme of light and darkness. He, he develops it all throughout his gospel until the pinnacle of this would be John 8, where Jesus says, I am the light of the, the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. But he's not making this up himself. Of course, John is drawing on the material of the Old Testament, isn't he? If we go back to Exodus, we remember when God reveals himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, it's how the first time? A burning a burning bush. There's, there's fire. And, and after God frees his people from slavery to Egypt, he leads them how? In a pillar of fire, and and we see the glory of the Lord filling the tabernacle, and it's shown there's light everywhere. And conversely, God punishes through darkness, doesn't he? Remember the plagues, the plague of darkness? God's people could see, but the Egyptians were in absolute, utter darkness. But he goes even back further than that, doesn't he, to Genesis In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light. The very first act of creation on day one was to separate the light and the darkness. That wasn't the sun. That wasn't the sun. The sun doesn't come until day four. So God, in the very beginning, is revealing himself to his created world and then to us through Christ by light. But we're not done with John's development of life, of light. He constantly is combining this idea of light with truth, with truth. If you recall the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus is in an interchange with this woman. He calls her out on her uh, adulterous and sexually immoral lifestyle. says, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the person you're with now isn't your husband. You're right. And and they get in this interchange, and Jesus says in there that that God will be worshipped in spirit and truth. What was Jesus doing there? He was calling this woman into the light, into the light. She had been living in the darkness. He was calling her into the light. Why? To condemn her? To have mercy on her. To turn her into a vessel of mercy and grace. And the moment she comes into the light, she goes back and she tells the whole town, the whole town about Jesus. So we could say in the beginning by way of application that you can't worship God properly and harbor darkness in your life. You cannot worship God properly while harboring darkness in your life. And Jesus called this woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, to live in the light, to walk in the light, to have true, genuine, authentic fellowship with God. God is light. Put negatively, put negatively, there's no darkness in God. So God is light. Second statement, in him is no darkness at all. At all. I can't think of a better way or of a more clear way that John could try and communicate the purity of God. He's light. Was there any darkness in him? Nope. A little bit? Not at all. There's none whatsoever. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. What does that mean? This is important for us. It means that in his, in his essential nature, who he is, there's no darkness. There's no evil. There's no untruth. No deception. There's no falsehood in God. While there is no darkness in God, this is where it's important for us. It is extremely comforting on a, few, a, on a few levels. There's no darkness in God, but God is in the darkness. He's in all darkness, isn't he? He's present. We could expound this to the doctrine of hell. Is God in hell? Absolutely. He's there in judgment. That's in the negative judgment sense. But in a very real sense, in the darkest hours of our lives, is God there? He is. God is in our darkest trials, in our hardest circumstances. God is there. But in God, there is zero darkness whatsoever. Praise God. Praise God. What else do we see? And here's how this continues to flesh out in more detail. Whatever God in His sovereignty appoints. So think about this God is light, no darkness. Whatever God in his sovereignty appoints in your life, no matter how dark it may seem, by faith we must grasp this truth that God is light, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Why do we have to wrestle with that by faith? Because suffering, pain of loss, maybe of a a loved one, perhaps, perhaps, Circumstantial difficulties, loss of a job, loss of health, or something of that nature can, can cast doubt in our understanding of this, can't it? We can suddenly start to, to question whether God really is good or whether he really has goodness towards me. Yes, God is light and there's no darkness in him, but, but is this God of light really for me? Suffering can make us doubt this in those times. And in those times, we must, we must remember this very simple truth that no matter how hard my life is around me, that God's nature hasn't changed. Just because my circumstances change, God's nature doesn't change. God is light. God is light. I was walking, I I walk here to uh, most most days I walk uh, to church, and it was cloudy. It's been cloudy the other day, right? Uh, and, and through the clouds, uh, v- really veiled kind of, you could see the sun, the, the, the basic shape of the sun. But it was still quite cloudy and, and covered. And, and I thought to myself, that's exactly the way circumstances in life are. They have zero effect. Zero effect on the actual brightness of the sun. The sun was still shining that day. In full strength, it was giving off its light. Just because I couldn't feel it, just because I couldn't see it due to the presence of clouds, it had no impact whatsoever on the sun. And that's the way it is in our life. Our circumstances, hard trials, or difficulties might obstruct our vision of the pureness of God, but they do zero to affect his essential nature or the reality that God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. This is the message that John starts to proclaim. And it sets the stage for the profound statement of what's about to come to you. So, therefore, number two, if God is light. You say, that was an easy one, Pastor Randy. You said the same thing that the passage said. It's what I do as a pastor. I, I preach the Bible. It says God is light. I'm just going to tell you over and over, God is light. And here we go. You ready? Round two, live in the light. <clears throat> live in the light. Now, the apostle of love is about to get right in your face. You ready for it? Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, with this God of light, while we walk in darkness, we made a mistake and we need to be corrected. Is that what it says? Nope, that's not what it says. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. Notice verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is a good way to lose friends. If you're wondering, like, man, pastor, I really need some tips on how to lose friends. This is a good way. It's a good way. Call them liars. It's a fast way in our culture to be labeled judgmental, legalistic, or radical. When you think of the apostle of love, is this the type of frankness that comes to your mind? Is this the type of upfront that we tend to think of? No, we think of speaking the truth in love. I might say, I maybe would have said it differently, John. Could have been a little bit more gracious, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He's right in our face with this reality. See, we tend to think of love as nice, kind of sappy, soft, encouraging, building upwards that that make you feel good and warm inside. While there is certainly an element to that, I think many of us would dare to speak in such stark statements as this. But he doesn't say it one time, does he? It's not like, okay, he's just going to, hes three times, three times. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're self-deceived. The truth is not in you. How is this loving? Because John sees something we don't. John realizes something we miss. To allow somebody to believe that they have genuine fellowship with God while they're walking in darkness and to say nothing to them, to not say anything to them, is the opposite of love. It's the opposite of love. That is unloving. That is one of the most unloving things you could do. No, John loves them enough to tell them openly and honestly with clarity and frankness. Friend, you claim to be a Christian. This is happening in your life. It's concerning to me that you are self-deceived or lying. You're not practicing the truth and I am genuinely concerned for you because I want your repentance, I want your fellowship with God and I want your fellowship with me. But right now, it ain't happening. We're going in two separate directions and I'm concerned for your soul. Sometimes you need to say that to a friend. Sometimes you need to say that. If God is light and we have fellowship with Him, we cannot walk in habitual darkness. To do so is to lie and not practice the truth. How do we walk in the light, practically speaking, then? This is what John's going to start to flush out more and more. How? Do we? Okay, so walk in the light. I get it. God is light. Sounds good. How do we do that practically? Very simply, if God is light, he says walk in the light as he is in the light. That's going to be one of your key phrases, as he is in the light. So put simply, if God is light, then stay near to him. Stay near to him. Daily, be with him. Talk to him in prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. What, read the word of God, the word of life. Let God talk to you through his word. Learn him. Know him. Abide in him. Meditate on the fighter verse. Let that be food for your soul. If God is light, then walk in him. Be near him. How else can we practice the truth? Simply, we can tell the truth. Seems so simple, doesn't it? And yet it's so difficult. Tell the truth. Live a life of openness and honesty. Keep your promises. I like to think here's here's one of the ways we tell little lies often. You ready? I didn't get your call. I didn't get your text. I'll be there for sure. Or, yeah, I'm coming. We do this often in our culture. We call these people flaky. If you've been called flaky, if I can be up front, you're not practicing truth. That's what it is. You're setting expectations and not meeting them. That's the the easiest road, all right? We're on surface level stuff. We We haven't delved into the deep, Dark, dark sin stuff, you know, the icky stuff. But yet, John sees no distinction. Walk in the light. Be a truth teller. Keep your promises. Flee sin. Resist temptation. Don't even go near wickedness. Don't dwell on it. It will trap you. It's stickier than you could have ever imagined. You think of the movie Lion King. You see Simba with his dad, Mufasa, and they're, they're looking out in the, what's that area called? The, the dark lands, the bad lands, the, the, the shadow lands. And he's looking out there and Simba goes, what's out there? You must never go near there, son. And what does Simba do? Doesn't listen to dad and everything goes bad. But we are so much like that. We're inquisitive, let me get close, let me explore it and it will trap you, flee it. Resist it. Instead, be rich in good deeds. Have abundance of good works. Give yourself to profitable things. Don't let your hands sit idly. To walk in the light, we could say this to sum it up. To walk in the light, at the very least, means that our lives should be different after we've come to know Christ than they were before. Radically different. Radically different. We speak differently. We have different joys. We go to different places. We forge new friendships around a common, shared confession of Christ. All of these things change about us and more. John goes on to say, if we do walk in the light, so those if." We say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness. We're liars. We don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the bridge, by the way. If you're wondering how does, how does this passage in 5 through 10 link up with one, what John said in 1 through 4, it's that word right there, Fellowship. What does John say? He says, I'm writing so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. He wants them to have fellowship with God. And now, here it comes again. And if you walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Genuine, sweet, beautiful, open, transparent fellowship. So last week, we saw that fellowship with God was predicated upon the preaching of the apostolic word of Christ. Right? That's the it's predicated upon. That's that's what it is foundational. Now we're going to add another layer to that. What's the next layer of this fellowship that this fellowship with one another, biblical fellowship is characterized by the light of truth and relationships. By the light of truth and relationships. Sometimes the reason why relationships don't feel satisfying, whether in the church or at work or at home, sometimes it's because they're so surface level because we're hiding things from each other. So we don't really get to know who we really are. Because we fear, if you knew this in my life, you might not accept me. If you knew this about me, you might think less of me. If you knew this about me, you had on and on and on. And so we stay surface level instead of letting people see who we really are. In the body of Christ, fellowship is characterized by openness and truth. It is okay to not be okay. How are you today? I'm good. No, you're not. You're a bunch of liars, right? Nobody's good all the time. Nobody's good all the time. We have hard weeks, don't we? We have trials and tribulations. And when we say, how are you doing? there's a rough week. Whew, what an open door for me to pray for you. What an open door for me to, to bear that burden, to just come alongside. Let me, let me just take that burden off of you. But if we don't know, we can't help, can we? Not gonna, I'm not going to deal with Jay. He's good. He's good this week. You know, he's good every week. I'm not going to help him. He's good. He's always good. It's okay to not be okay. Strive to be in transparent, uh, as transparent as you can in your relationships with others in the body. So, God is light, number one. Live in the light, number two. Number three, Come. Okay, this one's actually a little bit different. This one's a little bit different. I made this point a little bit different. So it's actually like three and a half, all right? So, uh, because some of you will have a different point, all right? If you're here and you are, are not a Christian, you would not claim to be a Christian or you're not a follower of Jesus or you feel really distant from God, Right? You feel you're here, you're trying to be here, you know something's wrong, but you're just distant from him, all right? This is for you. The point for you is called come to the light, all right? That's the point, come to the light. Some of you in here, many of you, my, my ohana, you are believers, you're followers of Jesus Christ, you've made a profession of faith, you followed him in baptism, the point for you is not come to the light, it's rejoice in the light. Rejoice in the light and stay in it. Rejoice in the light and stay in it. So that's your, your third point. And this is a beautiful passage we're about to embark on. I thought about just making this passage a whole sermon, but then it, I would be a liar myself because it says recovering five through ten, and, and I don't want to do that because then I'll have to confess it as a sin and... I want to be truthful. Verses 9 through 10. Check this out. You You should memorize this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a beautiful passage. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The fighter verse this week, Isaiah 43:25. Is actually the Old Testament version of this verse almost verbatim. I, I am he who forgives or who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. See that? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And here it is, I, I am He who blots out your transgressions. That's a beautiful picture. Your transgression blotted out. Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 1, though your sins were as scarlet, yet they shall be what? White as snow, gone, blotted out. God's not going to remember them. They're gone. This is awesome. Talk about a Spirit-led sermon schedule. Can you do that? Right? Some people think, I mean, doesn't it stifle the leading of the Spirit to have your sermons scheduled out all the way through August? What if, what if the Holy Spirit wanted you to preach on something else? I couldn't have planned that. I didn't look at that. The Holy Spirit of God and His sovereignty as I am praying God, what do you want me to preach? How do you want me to break up first John? How do you want me to bring your truth to bear? is simultaneously in a million ways, planning that Isaiah 43:25 would be this week's memory verse. And I was just my soul was like, "Yes. Praise God. Praise God, my transgressions are blotted out. They're gone. See, this is such a beautiful passage because we all know that we have sin in our lives, don't we? All of us. We have sin in our lives. It'd be really easy for me to make every single one of you doubt your salvation this morning. Every single one of you. Really easy. It's not what John's trying to do. He's trying to grant them assurance and to warn for sure. But he wants to grant them assurance. We all know we have sin in our lives. We all know that we're not everything that we should be. Right? We're not everything that we should be. So so what do we do with that feeling? What do we do with that sense of brokenness in our lives? Maybe believe in yourself some more. That's what the world would say. Just believe in yourself. you got this. Just do it. Or self actualization, accept who you are, the feelings of guilt, things that you have, those are from maybe a religious upbringing that you have. That's false guilt. You just need to be happy with who you are. We try, but there's still this nagging sense that something's not right, isn't there? It just won't go away. I've got good news for you this morning. Really good news for your soul this morning. What do you do with that sense? Don't talk to God or don't talk to yourself about how good you are. Stop it. Don't do it. What do you do? Talk to God about how terrible you've been. That's what he's saying, to confess your sins. Talk to God about how you have broken his commandment. Don't excuse it. Don't blame it. Don't minimize. Don't try to cover it up or make it look less like Adam and Eve did in the garden. Don't do it. You don't have to. Just confess it. He already knows. He already knows. Identify it. Name it. Confess it. And what happens? What happens when you do that? He is faithful and just. He is faithful and just to forgive you. To forgive you. He is rich in mercy. When you confess your sins to this holy, faithful, just, righteous God, you're not going to find what you expect. You're not going to find wrath. That's what you expect. That's why we don't confess our sins, because we think God's going to destroy us. It's not what you're going to find when you confess your sins at Kohalui Baptist Church. You're not going to find wrath, rejection, condemnation. Here's what you're going to find. God is faithful and just to forgive you. and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, all of it. When you return to God, beloved, you will find that he is like the father in the parable of the prodigal son, watching, waiting, eager, ready for his son to come home, Looking, come. And if you come, it's not going to be a servant. You're not going to be a servant. You're going to be accepted as full status of sonship, not second rate. Like, man, I had my chance. Pastor, I grew up in church. Pastor, I did this. Pastor, I had my chance. And now it's kind of like, uh, this was God's plan A for me, but I'm, I'm down in plan X. Mm-mm. That's not what you're going to find. He's going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's going to wash you clean. Your sins a scarlet be gone. And be as white as snow. Why does he do it? Why does he do that? All of it. All of it's because of his son, Jesus. All of it's because of his son, Jesus. Because of the blood, the spilt blood of Jesus Christ. Do you realize what this says? He is faithful and just. God is faithful and just. Think about that. That's actually awful news to begin with. That's If I'm a sinner, I think that's the worst thing I could think of. When I was a child, let me tell you why. When I was a child... I would do bad things. My mom's here. She can attest to that. I know it's a surprise to you that I did bad things. She's not surprised. I did bad things. And I would sometimes count and hope that she would forget about the penalty of whatever it was, right? Right? When we get home. And I would hope that between the time of us getting home and then that she maybe would have calmed down and she'd forget And sometimes she would. God, his faithfulness and justice means he will never forget to be faithful to his promise to punish sin. He will never fail to be just and righteous to punish those who break his law. That is awful news for the sinner until until Jesus came. Until Jesus shed his blood, his innocent, spotless blood and poured out his life on a cross for sinners and took the penalty of death that we deserve, that sinners deserve on a cross. Until he did that and rose again three days later, that was awful news. But what we just celebrated on Resurrection Sunday transforms all of that to where once that was our greatest terror, now it is our greatest joy that God is faithful and just because now he has to forgive sin as a matter of justice. He would be unrighteous not to forgive you, beloved, in Christ. Why is that now? Because we sing it, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He paid it all. The penalty is paid for. God cannot, as a matter of justice, exact double punishment on sin already paid for. Because of Christ, Once worst news for us, now our greatest joy, source of hope, comfort, that God is faithful and he will keep his word if you confess your sins in Jesus and in Jesus alone. There's none of this outside of Jesus. Only in and through faith in Jesus, you have forgiveness, actual forgiveness of sins and cleansing. Some of your souls need to hear this. All of our souls need to hear this this morning. This is what we desperately need to hear this morning, the sweetness of this passage. That means there is no limitation on the number of sins that you commit that will exhaust this promise. There is no no limitation on the heinousness of the sins that will omit this promise. It's not like, well, you don't my sin was really 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 extra super duper bad. This doesn't apply. No, there's no limit. If you confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive all of it. All of it. Amen. Praise God. It's a shop, shockingly sweeping statement. Sweeping statement. Doesn't matter if you still feel guilty. We talk about that a lot, right? Say, I need to forgive myself. What we're trying to wrestle with is this guilt of sin. You don't need to forgive yourself. You need to believe this passage by faith that it is forgiven and walk in it. it doesn't matter if you feel guilty. It doesn't matter if you feel like you need to suffer for what you did. You only need to believe in Jesus who suffered on your behalf who agonized in the garden over sin and the wrath of God on your behalf for all the times that we sin and we don't feel as bad as we should for it. He did it all. Praise God. Praise God. What is the answer answer to our guilty feeling then? Because I know some of you are in here like that. You have guilt for what you've done in your past or currently. What do you do? With that sense of feeling of wrongness. The answer is not penance. It's not the answer, it's praise. It's praise and adoration of our great God who forgives sinners on the basis of the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. (sighs) What a promise! What a promise. So if you're distant from God, come to the light. Come to the light. This promise is for you, for you, for you. Come to the light. Confess your sins to God. Step out of the shadows. Today, God intends to show you mercy and grace. And let us help you at Kahalui Baptist Church as a community of believers learn to walk in the light of God. We want to do that. Then there's some in here, you have a relationship with God. You know in your head here that your sins are forgiven and you're, you're, you struggle with that guilt and it's paralyzing you in service to God. It is paralyzing you. It is rendering you ineffective and Satan is loving it. It's telling you that you are unfit to serve Christ because of your sin, and that is a lie straight from the mouth of Satan. That is a lie straight from the mouth of the deceiver. Not only are you forgiven, you are actually clean. You are actually clean, and you can be greatly impactful for ministry of the gospel. You can be. And some of you, and here's the warning part. Some of you in here are self-deceived or lying. You're not practicing the truth. Some of you are either self-deceived, lying, or you're not practicing the truth. You are harboring darkness in your life. And you're claiming to have fellowship with God, you are a liar. But I'm a church member, you're a liar. But I helped at the Waihu event, you're a liar. But I'm a good person. You are a liar. And the truth is not in you. You need to seriously consider the state of your soul before this God. I have good news for you, though. I have good news. Good news for you. This applies even to that. God loves to be gracious, we love to be gracious. Even to that, if you confess your sins, I can confidently say on the authority of the word of God, not my own, that he will forgive you and grant you the joy of genuine, authentic fellowship Amen. with him and with us. Come to the light. Isaiah forty-three twenty-five. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Let's pray. Father, what a sweet, sweet promise this is. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. Would you grant that we would believe this deep in our souls this morning at Kahalui Baptist Church, and would we sing it out in praise to you? In Jesus' name, amen.